Welcome to Hashtag Resilience. This is Watson Jordan. I lead the Resilience Initiative, where we research and promote resilience from around the globe and back to you, our listeners. Our big idea, we can develop resilience. Our promise, we will show you how with inspirational stories and straightforward ideas. Learn more about us at www.hashtagresilience.com. That's all one word. Make sure to check out our courses on Udemy, like 1010 Finance, and build resilience with the 531 plan. Look out for our new book, Resilience, How the COVID-19 Pandemic Made Us Wiser and Stronger. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. This episode of Hashtag Resilience is part of our Stronger and Wiser series, where we investigate what we can learn from the 2020 COVID pandemic. Today, we're joined by Donna Volpita, who leads Pathways to Empower. They address the problems of a lack of resilience, inadequate life skills, and issues of mental health. Their programs support student success by teaching the brain science of building resilience and fostering mental health. Well, Donna, welcome to Hashtag Resilience. I am thrilled you're here, and this is the funnest part of the podcast for me. Let's talk about you. What are you doing? What are you excited about? Well, thank you so much for for inviting me to join you. I'm really excited. Um, And wow, I get to talk about myself. Um, I am so excited about the projects that we're doing at Pathways. Um, We launched Pathways in January of 2020 to provide resources to help people understand how to build resilience and foster mental health. And we've developed programs. And right now we're really focused in on um, our Thriving Through College course, um, a program that we're doing with college students. And I'm excited because we just got back some data. Um, we did a pilot study in the fall with the course, and the the results were phenomenal. Um, there were college students really enjoyed it and felt like they learned a lot. A hundred percent of them said they would recommend the um, program to appear, and a hundred percent of them said that they had now the ability to talk about mental health. So we're widening the the study and offering it to colleges, college students throughout the country. Now, that was an interesting, well, two things I thought were very interesting. One, uh, something you're tracking is their ability to talk about mental health. Can you explore a little bit about how you identify that as a uh, something you wanted to track and uh, to get feedback on or data on? Because I wouldn't have thought that if I was making this up on my own. But when I heard that, I thought, that is excellent. So I'm keen to kind of hear just a little bit more about that. And I'm curious. So let's do that. But there was something else I was curious about, your start date. So, um, But let's start with talking about uh, mental illness or mental health. One of the things, and, and I always, I love to go back to the story that I, I always say to people, we tell kids, we tell toddlers all the time, use your words. The truth is they don't have them. They don't know how to say the things we want them to. So we need to script. We need to give them language to be able to handle the challenges. That's what resilience is, right? To be able to handle challenges. So 
when my kids were young, I used to always script language for them, um, you know, teaching them how to negotiate situations, what the language was that they needed. And our mission at Pathways is really about giving people a common language to be able to talk about our mental health and talk about our brain health. In particular, we focus in on the brain science and we teach a really simple model with characters that represent different parts of the brain and how they respond to challenge and the characters, like one of the characters holds the tools of a healthy brain. So it helps people to be able to have conversations about their own brain health and the way that they're responding. Um, and how they can handle challenges differently. And it's a really fun language to be able to talk about it. And that's what the college students who took the course came out with. Um, They loved the characters. They said, you know, we related to the characters. They made it so that we could talk about what was happening in our brains. And it doesn't sound like the vocabulary you're championing and providing is burdensome or cumbersome, that it's not like learning a brand new language from scratch, but it's providing some context. Because if you told someone, if we're really going to explore this, we need to have some shared vocabulary that's meaningful and germane to our conversation, and everyone would nod their head. But I think exactly to your point, you talk about mental health, you talk about feelings, and there's just a, there can be a wide gap or an empty bucket or just establishing uh, what I, what, yeah, something, okay. you know, the beginnings kind of here's, here's a place that we can start. Um, I think that we make that so easy. So I'll give you a couple. That, of is, that is so great. Making it easy. So I'll I'll give you a couple of examples. One is that, so we have four characters that represent different parts of the brain. We think of decisions that we make as good versus bad. Our brains actually don't. They think of decisions as long-term versus short-term. So there's a character that represents the part of our brain in charge of long-term decisions, like putting money in the bank, eating healthy, doing the things that we don't really feel like doing right now, but we know that they're going to be good for us in the future. Um, And so that's the ant and the ant holds the tools of a healthy brain. So, you know, one of the tools, he he holds a bunch of different things. He looks like a little um, boy scout ready to go out on a hike. So he has a um, walkie talkie that represents social connections. He has hiking boots that represent exercise and movement. He has a banana that represents snacks. He has um, a, a sleeping bag that represents sleep. He has binoculars that represent focus time. So really easy things to say, you know, hmm, have I gotten my exercise today? Do I have all my tools in place? Um, And then we have the grasshopper that represents the limbic system, which is the part of the brain in charge of the here and now that's in charge of kind of doesn't really care whether you do well on the test or lose weight. He kind of wants to watch Netflix and eat Cheetos. You know, that's his job. He's here for the here and now. Um, and he's in charge of fight, flight, or freeze. So he's the one in charge of getting us out of the way of the oncoming car. So he's important, but we have to understand when we're in ant mode and when we're in grasshopper mode. And I, one day, 
uh, I love the story that when my son was six years old and I was developing the model, one day I was really mad at him and he was really mad at me. And when I went to speak to him, he said, mom, I can't talk to you right now. I'm in grasshopper mode. So he knew he was going to say and do things he regretted. That's a common language to talk about mental health, to talk about resilience. To and he also, he also, y'all had some shared language mm-hmm. and he, he had a way to talk about it that didn't make you or him the problem. Right. Though neither you nor him were broken. He and y'all had that shared context and he would, I'm in this mode right now and I'm not going to make long-term decisions. Um, that had to be, that had to kind of break the spell of kind of being frustrated and kind of go, how great as a parent, my kid learned, he heard one thing that I said. I know as a parent that a pretty exciting moment. I have to say that I was in grasshopper mode too, so I was <laughs> picked, but it was powerful enough to get me to walk away until I was in ant mode and come back and say, are you ready to talk right now? So it's powerful. That language is really important. And for us to be able to have a fun, shared, common language is really important. And it comes down to brain science. I mean, I I talk to high school and college students about this, and they're angry that nobody told them about this before. They're like, wait a second, how come we didn't know about our brains? And I'm like, well, you know, we didn't know it before. We didn't have a way of talking about it. Now we do. So you mentioned an ant and a grasshopper. It seems unfair not to touch on the the other characters in your model. Well, the other characters are are really cute too. I I love the characters and you can see them on our website. But um, the other characters, the glowworm, represents the amygdala, which is the part of the brain. It's part of the limbic system, actually. But um, the amygdala's job is to look out for threats. So when the glowworm sees a threat, like a car coming at us, it's the glowworm's job to go red alert and switch control of the brain from the ant to the grasshopper, because the ant could never get us out of the way of the oncoming car. So the grasshopper is in charge of fight, flight, or freeze, gets us out of the way of the car, we survive, which is all good. And a long, a long time ago, the glowworm had a much bigger job because it was, is there a lion on the Serengeti? You know, where is all the danger that can be around me? Because survival was a different animal, pardon the pun, a long time ago. And now it's all, you know, teaching your glowworm to do the research and verify the facts, you know, where you can get into danger. Um, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up because the third part of the model, another part of the model that's really important is that a lot of people don't realize that our brains respond the same way to social threats and rewards that it does to physical threats and rewards. So just like that car or the tiger puts the glowworm into red alert to call out the grasshopper for fight, flight, or freeze, social threats do the same thing. And so one part of the model is REACTS, which is an acronym for the social threats to the brain. Respect, equity, alliances, control, territory, and similarity. So unfortunately, those are being being triggered just as much as we used to be 
in terms of the, the glowworm is overworked right now, in fact, because those social threats and what, you know, what we're going through right now and the physical threats of COVID are sending us into grasshopper mode. In fact, our grasshopper is being well overworked right now. Well, here's to a, a less active grasshopper year in 2021. So more of the fun side rather than the threat side. Yes. I just, a nice picnic would be a winner. <laughs> so glowworm, grasshopper, ant, and, and dragonfly. The nice. dragonfly is in charge of mindfulness and in fact, resilience, being able to respond to those threats and being able to tell the glow, override the glowworm and say, no, we don't need to go red alert right now. We got this. Um, and the, the dragonfly has what we call the four S's of resilience on her wings. Um, self, situation, supports, and strategies. Those, the way we think about those four S's determines our response to any challenge good, bad, big, or small. So when we have strategies, we don't need to go fight, flight, or freeze. When we, you know, have those four S's in place, we can say to the glowworm, nope, we got this. We don't need to go fight, flight, or freeze. Um, Now, obviously, the dragonfly needs to know not to override when we've got a car coming at us. Right. (laughs) But when we're in those, you know, that, that story with my son was the ultimate dragonfly. That was having the the strategy to be able to say, and the the self-awareness to say, I'm in grasshopper mode. I, I don't want to talk to you right now. I love it. And so somewhere in there is confidence. So when I, when I was hearing you talk, I thought I'm confident when I feel like I have the resources and the tools to handle what's next. Absolutely. And, you know, that often we kind of go, that's a challenge. Well, sometimes the challenge is things going well. Mm-hmm. So how, so that's, I love that. It's, and it's nice to take brain science, which is really what we're learning is so powerful and deliver it or present it in a way that's accessible. So yeah. fantastic. That's, the key. that's what we're trying to do. How long have you been, um, working with this model? <laughs> Probably. Um, well, my son was six when my youngest was six when I was developing it. He's now 13. I've, I've probably been working with it for almost 10 years. Awesome. And I've been teaching it for about 10 years. Um, but the turning point was this January when um, I found a business partner. I always said that if I could find a good business partner, I could create a great business. And I found an awesome business partner and we teamed up in January to launch Pathways to Empower. And he takes, I have had the the brain science, the, the content, mm-hmm. and have a product and he's an incredible product designer. Um, so can you, can you tell us one or two examples of things that are currently avail- available that are exciting for you as kind of the the content person and how you're, because my other question was you started in January of 2020. (laughs) And I imagine that for the most part, your, your content is unchanged, although it might be slightly refined because it's a year older, but your delivery system, 
your implementation system has shifted, I imagine, from what you thought it might be to what it is today. So fun to hear one or two examples of what it is today and how you work with schools, how you work with people. So I knew that um, what I was doing, um, because for 10 years I I was teaching the model, I was going in person to conferences, going to schools individually and marketing uh, myself, which I knew was not what I wanted to be doing. Um, I like doing that. I love presenting, but ultimately this needs to get out. It needs to be scalable and I'm not scalable. You know, it's not scalable to have me travel across the world. So, um, when Jason and I met and formed Pathways to Empower, the whole idea was to how can we make this scalable? How can we get this to people? So the first thing that we did was created the guidebook to teach mental health literacy. Um, and it was sort of, sort of a soup to nuts guidebook for how do you teach mental health literacy? Um, so, so if I ran a school or if I had students that I was working with, that would be kind of a teacher's edition? Pretty much. Yes. Okay. And so that's what we wanted to get out quickly. Um, and we relaunched that on March 6th um, at a conference that I was presenting at, which was probably the last in-person education conference. It was bizarre. People's schools were being closed because it was in New York. Um, so as we were presenting, people were getting calls that their schools were being closed. It was it was bizarre. A moment in time. It was a moment in time. Um, we, we just didn't have any idea what was coming. Um, And then uh, we spent a lot of time talking to people. What do you want? What do you want? And we developed online self-paced asynchronous uh, programs for elementary, adolescent, and college level for parents, students, and educators. So we have all of those available. Um, And one of the things that we learned is the content delivery Um, as we were creating the programs that students learn best through very short YouTube style videos with a lot of visuals um, and then having the opportunity to connect that to their own experiences. So the courses are very much in that realm, um, which is why the students love it um, because there, none of our, our courses, our videos are longer for the students are longer than four minutes. Now, we'll put a link to this in the episode notes so that our listeners can easily track this down. But if I'm at your website, which I am, (laughs) and I go to, should I go to programs? Programs. It's under programs. And there are the courses. And it's broken out, free resources, families, higher ed, and K through 12. Fantastic. Boy, thank you. They all look and so. This, they this, all look so great. Thank you. This spring, we're doing um, free pilot studies for higher ed. We're really focusing in on higher ed and getting as many students as we can through through different universities to do the thriving through college, so that we can collect data. That is great because it'll be handy for them in college, but they'll be entering the work world, which is going to require a good amount of kind of flexibility and creativity to. Uh, to keep moving forward. Well, I love what you're doing and how you're a great example of keeping your North Star, but being willing to pivot and adjust to meet the needs of the people you want to serve in a tough year. 
So that is great. Let's take a quick jump and let's talk a little bit about resilience and our 531 plan, which the five is your inner circle, three is your community, your communities, and your one is your core belief. And to just ask you in this last year where you've grown Pathways to Empower in a, a totally different environment than it was born in, which one of those three have you been leaning on most lately? I would have to say in the past year, that core belief. And, and I think over the last 10 years, that core belief has been what's guided me. It's been my North Star mm-hmm. that the brain science is so critically important and we need to get get it to everybody. That we are, I feel like almost, and, and I've said this before, that for 10 years I've been saying, you know, the sky is falling, that we're we're moving into a direction where we're overfeeding the grasshopper and that we're we're not balanced. And that if people understood the brain science mm-hmm. and had the language to talk about it, that we would be in a different position. And I feel like we're in a moment where that's coming coming together now. People are ready to listen. Um and it's just, it's been my guiding <laughs> guiding star for so long. I want people to know the brain science. What a great mission. And that made me think there's a book out now called um, something about being a good ancestor. Mm-hmm. And at the Resilience Initiative, we're doing a future casting event in March where we're doing a little few, and this gets to the grasshopper kind of being in charge of the, uni- of the universe, which is not a great place for him to sit for very long, but a little bit of what do we think is going to happen this year? But maybe more importantly, if we look further out, what are bigger trends? So that would be interesting to look at, you know, which of your insects match with those things in that book, but Mm -hmm. wanting to be a good ancestor, that is a long-term game. So that is great. And that you know that you know what your north star is separates you from the cro- from the crop. So you, you get a gold star. That's really great. Thank you. And I think one of the things you were talking about the the insects, which one relates to what? And I think one of the you know our guiding star of this is balance. Right. We need the ant. We need the grasshopper. We need the glowworm. We need the dragonfly. It's all about balance, and that's what we're missing right now. Yes, and I don't want to turn this political, but it partly is, you know, separation of power so that there's enough power going around to function correctly, but it's divided up enough so that um, we get better decisions over time and not uh, fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about resilience. We're coming out with a book this month called Resilience how the COVID-19 pandemic made us wiser and stronger. So it's, and this is part of the Wiser and Stronger series. So I was interested, you're looking, we're coming out of the pandemic. And if you think about how we might be wiser or stronger or both, what do you think? How do you think that's the, the case? I think there are ways that we are definitely wiser and stronger. We are learning a lot. I think that people are so much more willing to listen and willing to understand. As I said, this is a moment in time. 
that this is people are beginning to listen. Um, it was happening actually before the pandemic. There was a moment at which people were able to say, um, you know, I, I guess we launched Pathways to Empower because mental health literacy was beginning to be legislated in schools. New York in 2018, I believe, became the first state to require mental health literacy education K through 12. I think that the pandemic has changed people's understanding of just how important that is um, and how important it is to understand ourselves and understand how we got to where we are right now. Um, and, and again, my North Star says that comes down to the brain science. <laughs> well, and finding a way that it exists, finding a way to share it so it benefits our community, our, our biggest community. Yes. Because it, it's easier for everyone to be successful if mental health is more of uh, grows in importance because it. Absolutely. Uh, and that's really one of the things that has happened in the pandemic is the the sheet's been pulled back and it's glaring that these are not new problems, but we're seeing them differently uh, as a result of the pandemic. Well, Unfortunately, we do need to change the paradigm that there's so much about mental health awareness. Let me tell you, people are aware of mental health. It's not awareness that people need. And it's and this generation is much more willing to talk about it. Yep. And it's not about the, and, you know, therapy is very important. I think treating mental illness is very important, but we also need to shift the paradigm to helping people to foster mental health. Yep. It's so not just awareness, it's education. So do you have one or two, I love an example. And so when I, when I hear that, I kind of go, my mental health is bolstered by things like enough sleep and a good breakfast and being outside for 15 minutes a day, really basic one-on-one things. But that is hugely impactful for me over time. So do you have kind of an example or here, or yeah, do you have an example? Here's a great example. Well, the ant tools. Like all of those ant tools are the things that we need to foster mental health. Um, he's, I said he looks like he's ready to go out on a hike. That's because outdoors is one of the tools as well. But the other ones, um, he has a little merit badge that stands for compassion, pride, and gratitude. Those are critical to mental health as well. So I would say that one is having those tools in place. The other key in terms of education of how do you foster mental health? One is, you know, we can do a checklist. What's the, what tools do I have? But the other one is those four S's is having the strategies, having the sense, understanding yourself, understanding how to put those challenges into perspective and break them down into their parts, having a support system to help you with the challenges and having strategies. You and I, um, in a conversation we had had earlier, we were talking about, I was laughing that I hadn't taken a shower because I don't allow myself to take a shower till I exercise. You know, having that strategy is really important. I'm like, oh no, I have to take a shower because I'm going to be on Zoom. So I need to go do my exercise first, or I don't let myself have coffee in the morning before I do my sit-ups. So these are strategies 
to get ourselves to foster that mental health. And those are the things that we need to have in place. And teaching people about that is critical. There's a really great overlap or nexus between all the work that's been done about habits and everything that you're talking about, you know, because it's not, they talk about the people who are successful don't have more self-discipline. They make it easier to do the things that in this case, the ant would be promoting. So anything that makes it easier to go to bed on time. Yeah. Another one of the end tools is he's carrying a map because our brain likes routine and routines are habits. Yep. So when we have routines in place that are predictable, we're less likely to go back into those grasshopper habits. So all of it, all of it ties in. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, this has been remarkable. And now we're going to go to our super fun quick strike round where you name What's the book that you're currently reading? The book I'm currently reading, and I've got to read read off the title because I think that the whole title is important. Um, it's called Good Chemistry, The Science of Connection from Soul to Psychedelics. And it's by Dr. Julie Holland. Um, and it talks a lot about neurochemicals, particularly um, oxytocin, which is the bonding neurochemical and how important that is for us. Great. And again, we'll put these in the episode notes so that people can find that easily. So awesome. She's got a lot of great books. When you need to get going, what music do you put on? It's funny because I I thought about that and I thought, what do I, I I put on some faster music when I want to get going. Like I think about Sweet Home Alabama is kind of my favorite, but I tend to be someone who uses music, who likes acoustic music. So I would say the Indigo Girls. Okay. Are my favorite Indigo Girls or um, David Wilcox. David Wilcox. Excellent. Where the Resilience Initiative is in Asheville, and he's spent a good amount of time here. So that is true. That's that's very nice serendipity. So, my favorite question of all time what's the best advice you ever got? So, the turning point in my career was years ago, I was a teacher, I'm a teacher by trade, and I was teaching my students and I got an evaluation from one of the supervisors. And I didn't do as well in one area as I thought I should have done. So I went to the supervisor and said, don't understand this. How come I didn't do so well here? And she gave me the best advice I've ever given, ever gotten, sorry. She said, shut up, you talk too much. Teaching is not about giving information. It's about facilitating students learning from one another. That's great advice. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a card at my desk that someone gave me that says quit talking. So, <laughs> so I thought that, that that actually changed changed my life, that moment. And I'll never forget it. Shut up, mm. you talk too much. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We've had Donna Volpita, who leads Pathways to Empower. And at the end, we say goodbye, listeners. So, Donna. Goodbye, listeners. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Resilience with Watson Jordan. Please reach out to me and let me know what you think. If you like our show, please subscribe. Leave a rating 
write a review. The episode notes include your main information about the show. Please take a look. We're available for speaking and facilitating in addition to our researching, interviewing, and writing. Learn more about our work on resilience at hashtag resilience.com. Spread the word.